0: Distributed denial-of-service attacks during the month of March were among the largest from gigabyte duration and volume perspectives the industry has ever seen. Prolexic, a DDoS mitigation provider, in its just-released quarterly report about DDoS activity among its clients, finds that attacks waged wage during the first quarter of 2013 in March consumed 718% more bandwidth than a tax wage during the fourth quarter of last year. Hi, I'm Tracy Kitten with Information Security Media Group, and I'm here today with Scott Hammock, CEO of Prolexic, to shed some light on DDoS attack patterns impacting a number of industries, but primarily banking. Scott, before we get into some of the details of the report that was just released, let's take a step back for a second and just review quickly the types of industries that Prolexic is monitoring. Are you seeing increased activity beyond banking?
1: Yeah, Tracy, we historically have, you know, started out in, you know, online gaming, which was attacked very aggressively more than a decade ago. You know, and as we've evolved over time, you know, the threat landscape has changed as well. You know, nowadays, you know, a lot of the has been focused on the financial institutions. And quite recently, you know, probably in the last 6 to 9 months, we have seen you know, massive, you know, attacks, you know, launched against financial institutions, primarily in the United States, but definitely some in Europe as well. Recently, got a lot of activity in the Netherlands, but financials have definitely been the target in the last probably six to nine months.
0: And then Scott, the data that's collected by Prolexic, how is it put together and collected?
1: You know, we see quite a few attacks and, um, you know, the attacks that come onto our network through our scrubbing centers around the world, you know, we're constantly monitoring and we um, issue, uh, you know, individual attack reports as we see different of our customers getting attacked. And then those are archived. And then obviously they, they, they go into a, a format that we can then query quite easily and then come up with these reports. And it definitely is showing a trend that is kind of alarming in terms of the size and complexity of these attacks to the point where I think in our report, we've been seeing one larger since that last report report came in. So we've seen a you know, 160 gig gigabits per second attack and 144 million packets per second. So it's definitely the amount of, of data and the complexity of these attacks is enough to overwhelm you know, almost anybody's infrastructure.
0: Now, as you've noted, U.S. banking institutions have been battling DDoS attacks since September of last year, but are there other industries that are seeing some increased activity as well, and could you name some of those?
1: Uh, recently, um, you know, the energy sector is, has starting to get targeted as well, so there's been a few high-profile attacks, maybe the first started about, you know, a year ago. But since then, you know, a couple of of energy companies, you know, not just in the U.S., but worldwide have been targeted, and their Internet-facing assets have been taken offline. That obviously is very disruptive.
0: Now, in this most recent report or quarterly update, which was released April 17th, Prolexic notes that the DDoS attacks that it tracked last month are among the largest the online industry has ever seen, Would you say, Scott, that these attacks are linked to the same botnet that's been attacking U.S. banking institutions?
1: Yeah, I mean, that's difficult to pinpoint precisely. You know, we do believe there's probably several organizations involved in in several different botnets. The attackers are are very brazen. They're using high-end servers you know, most recently capable of launching attacks with very high traffic with a lot of packets per second. And the thing that the sort of headline number of 160 gig, you know, is a big number, but what's more alarming is a number like 144 million packets per second, because that's just a a very, very outsized number that, you know, is capable of taking down, you know, the internet infrastructure, uh, really paralyzing, you know, high end routers. So there's very, very few pieces of gear that can even begin to handle those types of volume.
0: So when you say that the packets per second is the most alarming, is this more alarming than the duration that we've seen, the increase in the length of some of these attacks?
1: The attack length you know, are an issue because they they strain the infrastructure for longer periods of time. So that can't be downplayed. But the sheer volume of packets per second is something that that is is very, very difficult difficult to deal with effectively. And you really have to have dedicated uh, infrastructure like the one that we have, you know, designed and built out over the last decade to be able to handle something of that size.
0: And so from a higher level, Scott, what do these increases tell us? I mean, do they tell us that these groups are becoming more coordinated, that they're working together, or is it just that they've figured out how to take the Internet down in some cases and that's what they're doing?
1: You know, the the volume really does correspond to the fact that um, these are compromised web servers that are being utilized uh, in these attacks. And these web servers, by design, are built to be able to uh, manage high volumes of data. You know, there's been, you know, several known vulnerabilities on these servers that are, are getting exploited. And the result is you've got tens of thousands of, you know, infected servers that are, uh, you know, capable of launching massive amounts of attacks at these different enterprises. Just recently, we heard about the bots being used to... Uh, systematically go around and do brute force, you know, attacks on these WordPress servers. That gets scary because, you know, now you're talking about you know, are these guys actually trying to get root access? And, you know, once they get root access to a, uh, a large number of servers, what other type of attack vectors can they launch? You know, obviously, you know, spoofed attacks would be a, a concern you know at those volumes. And there's quite a few other things that can be done.
0: Now, one of the figures that stood out to me was the fact that the average bandwidth used during these attacks jumped from 6 gigabytes at the end of last year, to about 48 gigabytes in March, which is a 718% increase. But is that increase extremely significant relative to some of these other numbers that you've referenced, or is this just kind of par for the course?
1: No, those are very large numbers. There's very few companies in the world that can handle those types of volumes, and it's not just the volumes. There's a lot of complexities associated with defending against these attacks, especially, you know, when the attacks are, are as a spell based, which means that they're encrypted, or, you know, if they're, uh, you know, regular layer seven attacks, uh, which requires the company defending the attack to be able to go in there and actually discern, you know, what's valid traffic and what's invalid traffic. Yeah.
0: Prolexic notes that in early 2012, a new type of DDoS attack emerged, one that had considerable botnet resources and, as you put it, an intimate understanding of how the Internet routing topology works. But that was before we even saw some of these first attacks that were waged against U.S. banks, or at least so we thought. Does some of this, Scott, suggest that these new attacks were actually striking banking institutions and perhaps other organizations earlier than we thought or earlier than reported?
1: Well, we saw, you know, a, a scattering of, of attacks, most notably sixty five seventy 65, 70 gig attack of January of 2012, which was probably from the same source, and that was, you know, roughly the big ones hit. So we've seen, you know, isolated instances. I think what's disturbing is, is the frequency with which these are starting to hit, and then obviously the escalating complexity and bandwidth.
0: So you believe that perhaps the same botnet was used in some of these earlier attacks. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, it, it's impossible to prove, but but I think, you know, we can draw that conclusion from, from the data we've got.
0: And so we know that the attacks have evolved a great deal even since early 2012 with some of the most notable changes actually occurring last month. Can you tell us, Scott, then, when we look back to early 2012, what exactly has changed from a tactical perspective?
1: You know, historically, the way these attacks were launched, was using um, sort of a pull technique where you'd have, you know, 40,000 bots out there, a lot of, you know, compromised home PCs, you know, lower-end PCs, and those bots would uh, essentially dial home for instructions on a certain defined frequency. You know, they call in, say, what do you want me to attack, come back with the message, and then start launching an attack. Uh, what we've seen with these latest attacks is more of a, of a push technology where the attackers are brazen enough that um, probably hiding behind secure borders, but they're brazen enough to actually you know launch instructions directly to those servers. Uh, telling those servers essentially in real time to, uh, you know, go attack. So what this allows them to do is, you know, not not only, you know, voluminous attacks, but they can change the, the vectors, you know, within minutes, you know, across thousands of servers and they can start and stop, you know, on a dime. So we'll watch one financial institution being get hit with a 60, 70, 80 gig attack. And then within three or four minutes, the attack completely stops, see it fire up against another bank within a couple of minutes or you know, within four or five minutes, the signature um, that we've used to stop a particular type of attack against, you know, an IP address will change that dynamically. So that requires, you know, a lot of skill and expertise to be able to defend against something like that. That's changing so quickly.
0: How is the industry responding to this? And during the first quarter of 2013, more than 10% of the DDoS attacks that were waged against Prolexic's global client-based averaged more than 60 gigabytes, which, of course, the largest attack in March peaked at 100 and 30 gigabytes, and it was noted that ISPs, as a result, had been forced to black hole traffic to protect their networks, but how does that technique actually impact online availability?
1: That's not an exact science, and that's something you you definitely don't want to to be forced to do. Essentially, what that means is that if I am a uh, retailer or e-tailer in uh, France and uh, I come under attack, you know, I'm going to shut down... For instance, or black hole, all the traffic coming in from Germany. You know, what does that do? Um, you know, you might not have that many customers in Germany, but it shuts the, you know, the legitimate ones down as well as the malicious attackers. So that's that's a, a technique as uh, a very very last resort. We have not been in an instance where we have shut out traffic from particular countries per se. Plus, it's dangerous because a lot of the traffic might be spoofed as well. So it might not be a valid IP address that, you know, the attack is originating from.
0: And that was something else that I picked up from the report. Prolectic notes that most of the attacks have been waged from China, followed by the United States, Germany and Iran. But how reliable is some of that tracking when we know that ISP addresses can be spoofed? And what does this really tell us? From a global perspective, what initiatives should we be spearheading to stop some of these attacks, and can we even really glean a lot from that if ISPs are being spoofed?
1: The data we're using for that particular report is actually validated uh, TCP connections. So those are valid IP addresses. Uh, so any spoofed traffic we don't include in those, those country of origin reports, that's pretty much valid. But, you know, although we do... Constantly see, you know, China at the top of the list. You do see, you know, attacking traffic from from all over the world. So if you're a, a U.S. financial institution, you know, obviously blackholing, uh, you know, the U.S. is going to be difficult. A large you know, portion of, of the botnet, you know, is based in the United States as well as Europe, which obviously those two entities are, are pretty well linked, um, and it's difficult to um, you know try to segregate traffic on a on a geolocation basis.
0: Are there initiatives, though, that you know of, Scott, taking place that are helping to address some of this, or is there anything that can be done?
1: The authorities, you know, the FBI being the the primary one in the United States, but but globally the authorities are very, very active in in taking down these infected servers as they hear about them. But this is a problem that, you know, has been going on for decades. And, you know, as long as there's computers out there, there's new programs being built, there's mobile devices, uh, you're always going to have, you know, a portion of the internet that is quote unquote compromised. So it's something, you know, you've got to deal with, you've got to learn to live with, and like anything else, you've got to learn to defend. against
0: Now, in talking about some of the defenses, I also noted from this quarterly report the types of attacks that Prolexic has been tracking. So layer three and layer four infrastructure attacks have been the favored type of attack and they've accounted for nearly seventy seven percent of all the attacks that were recorded by Prolexic during the first quarter of this year. Can you describe these attacks for us and how do they compare to the layer seven application attacks that you referenced earlier?
1: Yeah, the the layer three, layer four attacks are are troubling, and they're, they tend to be the the very very high volume. They bring into account the volume component of this, and then the layer seven attacks tend to look like like valid you know traffic. So you actually have to get inside the, those transactions and figure out which ones are good and which ones are bad, and block just the bad ones. And that's really you know the art of an organization like us. You know I liken it to kind of uh, you're cutting the uh, the fat away from from the muscle. You know it's not a perfect science, but it takes uh, you know a very good surgeon to go in there and remove just the fat and not uh, nick any of the muscles. And that's kind of like what we do. And what makes it even more difficult when most recently they're launching massive amounts of of SSL traffic. And that's you know, encrypted traffic that then flows through your service providers, Um, and it's very difficult to look inside that traffic because a lot of these, you know, financial institutions, especially the large ones, won't give you the keys to look in those packets. So you have to come up with other clever techniques for blocking that traffic. So the attackers are are definitely making our job more difficult. It's it's up to us to try to come up with, you know, proper defenses, you know, to keep your customers uh, safe from these guys.
0: Scott, before we close, can you give us just some perspective about the global attacks that you're seeing? Are financial services throughout the world being hit harder, and are there other parts of the world or other organizations that are being targeted as well?
1: You know, we've had a few, you know, high-profile energy instances um, in the U.S. and and one, you know, pretty major one in Europe within the last year. You know, the message here is that if you're a, you know, global 2000 company or you're a, a company that has heavy dependence on doing business via the internet, you definitely have to have something in place or you, you know, put yourself at risk for being down for days, you know, and that can be, uh, you know, quite a disaster. So the thought train that, you know, I'm never going to get hit or the hurricane is never going to hit, you know, New York or New Jersey or, you know, North Carolina, you know, that's the hurricanes have hit in the past and they will hit again and you can't always predict where they're going to hit.
0: From the US banking perspective, Scott, what do you think is next? Can we expect these attacks to continue to grow in size and volume and is this just the new normal?
1: You know, I think as the world becomes more chaotic, which you know I do believe, you know, it it will be, uh there'll be more and more disenfranchised countries or people and um this is a, a you know, a perfect, you know, weapon if, if I use that term. Uh, that they can utilize in somewhat of a stealth fashion um, to lash out at um, you know people that are their enemies or their perceived enemies.
0: Scott, I'd like to thank you again for your time today.
1: Hey, thanks for having me, Tracy.
0: Again, we've just heard from Scott Hammock of Prolexic. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tracy Kitten.